Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello there and welcome to Monday's Second Captain's Football Podcast. Owen and Ken with you today. Hi, Ken. Hi, Owen. How are you? Oh, I'm good, Ken. It's been a fairly spectacular summer of sports so far. I hope you'll agree. We've had the Lions do what nobody expected them to do and win a series in New Zealand. That they draw win. Do. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Details, Ken. Details. They stopped New Zealand. It's like Dunkirk. Winning. Survival <laughs> is victory. <laughs> yeah. Right. A little bit like that, yeah. We've had, the Lions, uh, we've had Roger Federer winning a record eighth Wimbledon title, largely because of the paucity of talent coming through in the tennis world, according to you, sure. But a remarkable landmark, nonetheless. Yesterday, Jordan Spieth managed to combine a soul-destroying collapse and an unbelievable comeback all in the same round as he won the British Open. My point is, considering there's no Olympics or major football tournament this year, I think the general sports fan has had a fair old return out of the last couple of months. But I know my audience here. This is the football podcast. You guys want Premier League football and you want it now. Well, the good news is the new season is so close. I think I can taste it. So close that I think I need a drum howl sound effect to continue this monologue. Football show listeners, our latest live show should interest you a lot because the Premier League season is back again. Well, the countdown to the new Premier yeah. League season is back again, but the new Premier League season will be back on August 9th, Ken. Well, uh, is this true, this Owen? You've made, you've made so many false claims in this sales pattern. I'm not even sure if you're giving the correct date. Well, actually, the season starts a few days after that, Ken. But back to our exciting news about August 9th. We're uh, going to be marking... August 9th. Yeah. Okay. We'll be marking the return of the Premier League with a live show with thanks to Cadbury on Wednesday, 9th of August at Dublin's Sugar Club. It's our first live show in Dublin in 2017, believe it or not. It's going to be available to listen to in full on Thursday, the 10th of August. And we can guarantee you some huge football names. There'll be some Irish international legends, some non-Irish international legends, some Richie Sadlers. And maybe even some Ken Erdies. It's going to be a brilliant night in a fantastic venue. So these tickets are hot, hot, hot. We released the first batch of free tickets to World Service members this morning. And they were unsurprisingly snapped up literally in under two minutes. Amazing, ravenous stuff from our World Service members. So as you know, if you want first notice on tickets, you do need to join up to the World Service. We're going to be releasing some more as we get closer to the event. So for full details, go to secondcaptains.com forward slash live events. And we'll be announcing the megastar guests very shortly too. As I mentioned, the Premier League night is with thanks to our friends at Cadbury, who are the new official snack partner to the Premier League from the start of the 2017-2018 season. Ken, please report on some sport. Well, Owen, um, hard to know where to start. Uh, at the moment, the big uh, transfer news is a story that, that absolutely refuses to happen, uh, which is Neymar's move to PSG. And really, nobody knows yet what the story is. I mean, you get all these sources briefing, oh, Neymar's made up his mind, Neymar's going to go. Uh, and then you get people like uh, Jared Piquet uh, putting up photos on social media saying he's staying. Now, I don't know if Jared Piquet's just causing a bit of trouble there uh, or whether he... I mean, he was with Neymar in the photograph, so he did, have, he did have a chance to ask him about these things. Whether Neymar tells him the truth, I don't know. Um, so, 
really it seems to be the player's call uh, as to what he's going to do. He did score a couple of great goals for Barcelona against Juventus uh, the other day. In this, uh, they're obviously over in America at the moment on a, a part a preseason preparation, mm-hmm. part uh, money-making uh, tour of the United States. Neymar himself has been doing a bit of doing a bit of money-making. Uh, he went to uh, there's a video of him going to buy some sneakers. <clears throat> we'll refer to them as sneakers for the purposes of this uh, part of the show. Um, going to Flight Club LA, where he was met by um, a guy called Joe LaPuma. The first rule of Flight Club, Ken? You don't talk about Flight Club? I don't know, I'm sorry, I'm guessing so. They, they made a video of it, and I think it's worth playing a little bit of it. I mean, this is, this is Neymar, obviously, he's a, he's a, a Nike athlete. Um, there's a lot of Nike sneakers on display in this store. In fact, I didn't see uh, shoes from any other brand. At one point, Joel Pima had to mention, you know, you're, you've got a friend, Messi, who's signed with another uh, company. Do you guys ever, you know, banter with each other about the... Uh, and I was like, yes, sometimes we will say, those shoes are ugly, or sometimes we will say, those shoes are, are good, you have done well this time. <laughs> Um, but it is worth maybe playing a bit of it now, uh, owing to the fact that we can't, that Neymar was speaking Portuguese, or, well, I think I think Portuguese, maybe Spanish, um, and we don't have the facility to subtitle his talk, I will have to uh, do the voiceover in the style of Champions League Weekly. Oh, wonderful. So, let's, let's do it. So, Neymar, everyone knows you got a Jordan 5, but growing up... It was revealed that you used to play soccer in Jordans, even when no one was wearing Jordans to play soccer. You used to wear them till they had holes in them. Is that true? It was complicated because I only had one pair. And when I'd play soccer at school, they'd get increasingly old with more holes. So it was hard when I couldn't wear them anymore because I really liked them. Would you say that at a young age you were always into sneakers? Yes, I have always liked sneakers, having different kinds. Back then, I wasn't able to have them, but if my parents could buy a pair, I'd be very happy. Talk about how it was going from someone who couldn't afford any sneakers to actually getting your own shoe with Jordan, such a legacy brand with mm. the most iconic athlete of all time. I wonder how that actually translates to Portuguese. I'm happy. It's a dream come true, being, being able to have my own sneakers. When I was told about the idea, especially with Jordan, I was extremely happy. So So he goes, he goes around along. He looks at all the sneakers. He says, I like unique sneakers. You know, the kind of sneakers that aren't like any other sneakers. Make a well, statement, one of a kind. They're all, you know, sneakers at the end of the day. They all have the same company logo on them. But within those very narrow parameters, you're able to have an almost infinite variety uh, of sneakers. Um, I mean, he was shopping pretty much at the high end. He ended up spending $18,623 on sneakers, armfuls of them. I mean, given that he's sponsored by the company, you thought he there was actually no need for him to do this, um, given that he should be able to get a fair amount of merchandise for free, but maybe he can't get the $5,000 ones, uh, of which he bought two pairs. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got $5,000. They've got $5,000 sneakers. Um, These people do call into shops from time to time. I know from my experience working in Nike Town in San Francisco, Ken. A Neymar, your Neymars, your LeBrons. Well, a fem- female Neymar. Yeezys. Brandy Chastain, I remember, was in the shop one day. Really? Yeah, the score of the winning penalty, wasn't it, in one of their famous World Cup triumphs? She whipped her top off, became to show, uh, this big, iconic Branded sportswear. But she was in, yeah, it's, uh, unfortunately we didn't get commission when we sold to Nike branded athletes. Ah. So that was always, it was always, oh, great, superstar in the store. And then, oh, okay, no no commission. Well, Brandy Chastain was a, bit, was a bit of a superstar in 1999, but I can't imagine that she's ever spent $18,600 in one uh, shopping. No, budget. I can confirm she definitely didn't spend that much money of, on, that uh, on runners. Like, um, So this, I thought, was pretty pretty amazing. Um, I, I suppose if he joins PSG, he'll be able to buy like 80 grand's worth of sneakers mm. uh, that whenever he goes to the shop. Um, and also, the, the, it was kind of interesting the way that he talks about like the sneakerless child that he used to be, and that he can still faintly remember being. 
but doesn't think that the sight of him spending $18,600 on sneakers in a shop in five minutes is in any way something he maybe, you know, all the little Neymars out there, um, I suppose will aspire to be like Neymar, to have, not only to be able to spend this amount of money on, on uh, runners, but in fact to, to be one. He is a sneaker now, <laughs> you know, which is, which is kind of winning the, winning the game. It is interesting. I mean, I, I saw, um, there was an interview Pogba did with uh, Esquire magazine um, a, f- a few weeks back, and he also kind of fixated on sneakers, or to be more specific, shoes. Uh, that was the word that he used, uh, or at least that's the word Esquire reported him using. Um, uh, when he was a kid, uh, you know, when you, I, I try to remember that now, even though it's not easy. When you want to buy a pair of shoes so bad, then you have them, then you start wearing them every day. Then after a while, you start getting bored of the pair of shoes. Mm. Uh, but you always have to remember that pair of shoes you wanted. You had to fight to buy them, and you wanted them so bad. Um, yeah. I mean, he says that when he, the, basically the first thing that he did when he got rich, this is Pogba now, was to buy his first pair of Le Boutons. They were white. I bought two pairs, actually. I didn't go out for a month after that. I didn't buy anything. I was so shocked. I thought this was quite an interesting admission for him to make. He said, uh, I said, I'll never buy any Le Boutons again. It was funny, because when you know the value of money, when people don't have money, you feel a bit weird. You feel, wow, that is a lot of money for a pair of shoes. Life goes fast, so do something that makes you happy and just enjoy life. But it doesn't mean you forget about other people. <laughs> He's kind of saying... Uh, that spending all his money made him feel bad. For a period. Ah, then he was able to get his head around it. Um, but yeah, it's... Uh, He's friends with Julia Robertskin. Pogba or Neymar? Pogba. These are the strange facts that you learn about in pre-season. She really? was at the, She went and visited the UCLA camp. Big Man United fan, apparently, as are her kids. Really? I heard that she wasn't uh, well recently. Oh, well, hopefully she's okay. She certainly seemed fine on the interview that I saw. We're so excited, she said, about the game against Real Madrid herself and her kids we've been measuring our excitement all day because we don't want to get too excited too early and exhaust ourselves I saw the, I saw the headline uh, Julia Roberts measuring her excitement I thought it was some sort of a gimmick there was some sort of excitementometer that she was mm. <laughs> whacking and seeing how high it goes no she meant we're measuring her as in we're just keeping it under control mm. over the course of the day because these are young kids if they get too excited now they'll be tuckered out by kickoff yeah um, and imagine their excitement when they saw the teams being led out by Ronald McDonald <laughs> yeah. A proud moment for these two storied giants, <laughs> Real Madrid and Manchester United, who drew 1-1, a goal by Jesse Lingard. I can't remember who scored the goal for Real Madrid. A great assist by Anthony Martial. And then one of the worst penalty shootouts of all time. Eventually won 2-1 by Manchester United uh, with seven Mr. Saved penalties <laughs> in the uh, in the shootout. That's a few too many. The drama of missing penalties becomes less dramatic when... Uh, Almost three balls of them are missed. What's wrong with these people? Um, but, you know, when, when Ronald McDonald... I mean, he shook hands with the teams as well at the, at the beginning. Like, they had to greet him like he, like he was the dignitary. Which I suppose, in a way, he was. He was. He's kind of... It was sort of like, meet the boss. <laughs> um, this sinister-faced clown. I mean, they're still using a clown as their mascot, even though the, the meaning of a clown... I mean, who think? I mean, clowns are now exclusively viewed in terms of horror. Well, ever since It by Stephen King. Yeah. An association, but It. And there was, this, there was a Simpsons episode, I think, where now we're making kind of a clown headboard from the beds, and it's just like terrifying. And they've just been terrifying, really, ever since. But McDonald's are still saying, we're not going to change it up. Terrifying or sad. That's generally what people think about now. And I, that's unfair, because I'm sure there are some people working as clowns in the entertainment industry in Ireland, and they might have a very different opinion on it. Clowns do still go around to kids' parties and do make things with balloons and so on, as far as I know. Yeah. Do they? I don't know. I haven't, I'm, I'm going by my niece's stories here, I think. And I might have just made them up. I mean, it is. Just watching the, the team sort of going around and and, uh, and doing all this. Can we hear a bit of... Will we hear Jurgen Klopp? Yeah, we might as well. Um, Jurgen Klopp is not in America. He is in... Uh, he's in Asia. Uh, he was in China, anyway. And the Liverpool were playing against... Um, you know, a couple of a couple of Leicester. They beat Leicester in the final of whatever tournament they were involved in, and uh, they keep uh, they keep getting asked about these big signings they're trying to make but failing to make. There's Virgil Van Dijk who uh, has now been left out of Southampton's 
um, squad to train alone. Um, his manager saying, uh, the boy said he's not available to play because he wants to leave. This is the decision I had to say. If you don't want to be involved because you don't feel okay, then you have to train alone until this period of time happens. Um, so this... Uh, does this mean Liverpool are going to try and sign Virgil van Dijk? Apparently, uh, they're so um, intimidated by the prospect of, you know disciplinary action being taken against them as a result of another complaint by Southampton that they're almost, they almost, they have to it's not just a case that the player has to tell the club he wants to leave but Southampton then have to ask Liverpool to to maybe you guys would, might like to enter a bid you know it, it all has to be uh, uh, at, an, at a kind of invitational level the other player they were trying to sign Nabi Keita um, uh, the uh, Orbi Leipzig midfielder uh, who's, the price of him keeps going up as as, as um, Leipzig say we're not going to sell him. Um, was involved in a training ground bust-up, uh, hacking down one of his teammates who'd hacked him down in a revenge tackle which injured the teammate. So he's he's gone mad dog, completely mad dog. But uh, it's not known if this is a come-and-get-me plea. Um, and it looks as though it's too rich for Liverpool anyway. But because of this uh, phenomenon of inflation, which uh, Jurgen Klopp was asked about, uh, and we can play Klopp and this, his little exchange with the journalist on this subject. Things getting more expensive. When I was a kid, but you could buy butter for, I don't know, 20 cents. So that's long ago. And um, obviously in football, it's exactly the same. So that's how, I know how it sounds. It's not nice. I don't like it. But it's the case. And um, so we are part of it. But sometimes you find some butter that's a good value, don't you? You don't have to spend a lot to get good butter sometimes. Yeah. With butter, it's a little bit different, I think. Yeah, then <laughs> there's not a big surprise on, on the butter side of life. You started the butter thing. Yeah. But your English is better. You could have chosen another example. <laughs> yeah, so, yes, there's a lot of butter out there. There is not a big surprise on the butter side of life, says Jürgen Klopp. This is the... Most clunky, clunkiest analogy, food-based analogy since the buying the eggs from Waitrose. Yeah, comments, yeah, Mourinho. <laughs> the, yeah, yeah. the first time Mourinho, you know, if if you didn't know better, you might have thought he was trying to get himself sacked by Chelsea. Uh, how can you succeed when all the good? How can you buy the best eggs if all the eggs are in Waitrose, but you can only shop in Morrison's or whatever it was? He said. <laughs> He's having ha- having presided over the greatest transfer splurge uh, <laughs> until that in the history of football. Um, anyway, butter uh, butter maybe isn't such a good thing to compare to footballers because there isn't really much differentiation. I mean, one block of butter is pretty much the same as the next one. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm not a massive butter man, so I wouldn't be able to. You're not. Comment. No, like a, no. I would generally go butter free on my sandwiches. Oh well, I mean. What about it? What so? So, do you put anything else in your sandwiches? Ham, cheese, tomato, the basics. Tomato, you put tomato in a sandwich with no butter. Yeah, <sighs> might throw a little bit of it's pesto really on amateur, there. It's a really amateur error. Yeah. Do you ever notice that when you take your sandwiches out and you're like, mm, why are my sandwiches so soggy? Why is all the bread, you know, kind of wet through and falling apart in my hands? No, not the way I make them. It's because of the tomato. It's because so the butter protects against the the butter m- makes a effects of the tomato a waterproof layer yeah to stop the tomato juice soaking into the bread if you're talking about soggy in an appetizing sandwich a plain slice of toast maybe I might throw a bit of butter on that yeah well most people would at some stage but as Jurgen Klopp says there isn't much of a surprise in the butter side of life but he was using it I mean <clears throat> it was obviously just the first idea that came into his head but he was kind of saying look you know everything gets more expensive look at butter well I did look at butter Owen. Um, I mean, when was Jurgen Klopp a kid? What? Let's say 1973. What okay. age is Jurgen Klopp? I'll check out his exact age. When was he born? 1967 or something? You just start, you just get your butter information to hand, Ken. I'll check out Jurgen Klopp age right now. Uh, I'll reveal to you that he's 50 years of age. So he was born in June 1967. So in 1973, he would have been six years old. Mm-hmm. Maybe old enough, given the more uh, liberal parenting standards of the day, to be sent down to buy some butter. Uh, at the local shop by his uh, parents. And if he had, uh, he would have found himself spending about 13p for 250 grams of butter. Uh, 
I mean, I am <laughs> I am using actually an English price here because I could only find statistics for England. I'm sure the statistics exist for, exist for Germany, but I didn't have time to find the German statistics. Anyway, it turns out that in 1973, 250 grams of butter, half a pound, you, you might have said back in the day, roughly there or thereabouts, it cost 13 pence, whereas now it costs 143 pence. That is an increase of 11 times... Uh, uh, it's 11 times more expensive than it was in 1973. But of course, it's not really 11 times more expensive because, as we know, money itself has lost value. You can't buy the same amount for, you know, the same amount. I mean, this is what inflation actually is. Since 1973, there has been 1,113% inflation, which means that the butter that cost 13 pence in 1973, when it now costs 143 pence, it's actually about the same price. Um, it's gone up slightly. Uh, it's gone up about uh, 10% in in its real expense uh, over time, and 11 times in nominal terms. So if we compare this to football, what we find is that the transfer record at the time uh, in 1973, when Jürgen was buying that half pound of butter, was Big Bad Bob Latchford. Oh. Bob Latchford, what did he go for? Went from Birmingham to Everton for 350 grand, an insane amount of money at the time. Um... An utterly insane amount of money, but you can't help but say it's 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 less than one one two hundred and fiftieth of the current transfer record, which is Paul Pogba to Manchester United. It's more than two hundred and fifty times as much. Ah, but the money, you know. Okay, well, if we add in the actual inflation, we correct for inflation, we find Big Bad Bob costs four point two million uh, in today's money, which is still a lot less than ninety. Um, which means, you know, we've seen uh, inflation there of more than, you know, what, 12, was it 12 or 13 times? The, uh, into, you know, butter is basically the same price, but footballers are, the most expensive footballer in English football will be, uh, you know, much more expensive. Mm -hmm. um, season ticket at Old Trafford in 1973 cost £19.75, which is equivalent to £239 today. Yet somewhere or other, you can find yourself spending £900 on a season ticket to Old Trafford now, even though there's way more of them available. Um, so that's a 35-time uh, uh, inflation. Uh, or three, Well, 35 times more in normal terms and, and a, a solid three times more in uh, in real terms. So... It does appear as though this inflation thing is something which affects uh, football a lot worse than uh, really any other, anything else that we can compare to in the world. Um, there are not too many other things which are, which are in this kind of league. Um, it's pretty interesting. I mean, the, uh, I don't know if you read on the Sunday Business Post yesterday, there was, new, there was a really interesting article with, or interview with Joe Raleigh. No. Why? I hate these moments when you forget to you realize you've forgotten to do something. You mentioned this at the end of our radio show yesterday. Oh yeah. And on air, I said, "Thanks, Ken. I'll go and read that now." Oh, did you read it? No, but that's what I'm saying. You've called me out, and I completely forgot about it. it went out of my mind straight away. Oh right. But it's back in my mind now, and I will try and read it after. <laughs> do you know what? I, I think I even saved a link to the article and was ready to go. But it's so life intervened, Ken. What, what's Joe Brody got to say? A lot of things. Mm -hmm. You know, like. Um, I mean, I mentioned briefly this, the, the fact that we have this strange situation where football TV personalities now appear to have more interesting things to say about politics than, than most political commentators. Gary Lineker, I presume. Gary Lineker was, was sort of uh, doing this in the UK to a certain extent. Uh, but Joe Brawley has, uh, has left Gary Lineker far, far behind when it comes to the critique that he's... I mean, because Gary Lineker was basically saying, the Daily Mail, Jesus Christ. I mean, most of his mo most of his commentary on these issues were like, why why does the Daily Mail have to be so hor horrifically offensive all the time? You know, why, why does it take this attitude towards uh, uh, refugees? You know, why does it take this attitude towards Islam? So mostly that, that was what Gary Lineker was talking about, which which was controversial in England. It was like, oh, you know, when is Lineker going to button his lip? Uh... Overpaid BBC lovey Lineker, you know, and he he. This happened last week. Their their salaries came out, and he's been crazy. Oh, what do you know? You know, you have so much money. Uh, well, Joe Brawley is taking things on a few steps from Guy Lineker. By, uh, I kind of wish he'd just talk about this stuff all the time because you know, rather than talking, you know, slagging off uh, Gaelic footballers, uh, he's he basically attacked 
everything about capitalism. Uh, he started off, you know, talking about Trump, uh, how there's, you know, the, there's no hope. That's the message that this election sends now, but kind of talk, deconstructed it in terms of this is how, uh, this is what we end up, this is what we end up with when capitalism is disintegrating. This is, this is what it sort of throws up. Went, went on to talk about to, uh, the pharmaceutical industry, pharmaceutical industry, a big, uh, big part of Ireland's thriving economy. Mm -hmm. uh, we need a nationalized pharmaceutical industry, uh, Joe Brody said. Socialism is just logic. He said, but then he got into the whole GAA Sky thing, and um, and I was I found it very interesting. I mean, it, in terms of a critique, obviously Joe Brody is an RTE pundit, but like, um, so some people might say, well, obviously Joe Brody he works for RTE, so you know he doesn't want games being on Sky and so on. I, I don't think that's where his critique is coming from at all. He basically says um, uh, he's he's complaining about the low audiences for matches that are being sold to Sky. Uh, ten years ago, the GAA's leader says, this can never be countenanced. We'll never sell to Sky. Everyone will always be able to see our games. The essence of our games is, is there a shared journey for the people of Ireland. Uh, and so now things have changed. 8,200 viewers watched the Monster Hurling game between Clare and Cork. The equivalent game the previous year in Ortiz is watched by 380,000 people. The GAA hierarchy said, it's like Animal Farm. It's classic. Look, whoever said you could see all the games for free? Go to the pub and watch it. Go to a neighbor's house and watch it. The market has so successfully pervaded our lives that we're left with very little. The GAA is a perfect example of what we're left with. And the market wants the GAA. Sky wants the GAA because it knows that's a way to the Irish people's hearts. If you want people to forget that it's Rupert Murdoch and all the ills of that association, you put football stars and hurlers at the front of it. You establish Sky GAA academies and Sky ambassadors. Someone says, here's 30 grand to be a Sky ambassador. Absolutely, they'll take your arm off for it. That's how they infiltrate. He says, um, so basically, Raleigh is, Raleigh is saying here that the, whole, the only reason that the, GAA, the GAA works is because of the voluntary ethic once you start bringing introducing a market ethic into this environment you're actually not just you're not, you're not just doing the wrong thing you're just you're actually going to destroy your sport you're going to you're going to destroy the sport it's not just it's not just the wrong thing to do straight off because of the people who you you know the old granddad who doesn't know how to work his tv controller and obviously he's not going to sign up for sky and he doesn't want to go to the pub anyway because he can't hear anything you know and now it's not just sort of appealing to the fact that such people are now being left out by the fact that the gaa is selling it off it's the fact that if you introduce the market principle into the gaa you will soon be left with nothing so he says uh, I know this because uh, he says, uh, I want to return to the GA being community-based organization with community-based ideals based on voluntary effort, not asking what's in it for me, but what can I do, which is where the real re reward is. Talks a bit about how you know, he doesn't take money for stuff that he does in GAA. Uh, people get offended. I have to say, I don't take anything for this. It's what we're supposed to do. This is supposed to be a labor of love. But unless you create a radical strategy, what's going to happen, slowly but surely, is capitalism will subsume you. It will just take you over. It's almost invisible. It just conquers you. And all of a sudden, one day, you wake up and say, what happened here? Um, yeah, yeah, look at cycling, rugby. They're perversions of the ideal. Obviously, he didn't even mention soccer. Like, you know, I think I probably know what he thinks about that. Uh, athletics, it's a joke. Just drugs and nothing else. And that's starting, starting to happen with the GAA, which is why I rail against what happens, because I can see it all. Community ties will break down. The GAA will be destroyed. This is a fact. It's inevitable. It's coming. Give it 25, 30 years. You'll see it. So what, you just leave one TV station to broadcast the games and pay whatever they want and don't open it. I, I don't understand the point. You just like, he, he feels it's better. Sorry, I do understand the point. But, and... As usual with a lot of Joe Brody stuff, there, there can be a certain amount of sense in there. But what's the alternative? He's saying no market like, market force in the J as though it's just come along with Sky. Mm. There was no, no before that everyone was just going along happily. Nobody ever talked about pay for play, nothing like that. Like all, all this stuff was in there already. Well, I mean, this is kind of sanctioned by the by the top of the organization. They're 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 packaging up their their sport, which is like actually a cultural product or whatever whatever you want to class the GAA as, packaging it up and selling it off for extra money to do what with? Well, they say funnel back down to grassroots. Mm, that's what people always say. I mean, funnel, funnel down, you use, you use an interesting word there. I mean, at least you said funnel, which implies that something has to be done to make the money go down. People sometimes use the phrase trickle down. Mm. 
But like money doesn't trickle down. It's not like water. It doesn't behave. It doesn't behave according to the same physical principles. It actually usually moves up. You know, that's usually what you find. It's you have to really try hard to make it go down. It doesn't just trickle there by itself. Um, I think he makes an interesting point, and I think I mean if you look or if you look at football around the world at the moment, all this stuff that's happening. Um, Ronald McDonald shaking the hands of the Manchester United and Real Madrid players. You know, Neymar with his armful of of sneakers from the company that sponsors him. You know, try, making all of these kids in Sao Paulo dream that one day they too can become a sneaker like Neymar. You know what I mean? This is but kind has of football been destroyed? Football's as popular as it's ever been. Has rugby been destroyed? I know maybe people involved in clubs might say it has, but certainly what the provinces have done and the national team has done over the last number of years, it's as popular as it's ever been in Ireland. I wonder though if we're if we're kind of coming to some some sort of reckoning point. I mean, I know people have said this before, but it's kind of it is just a little bit. I mean, where is all this money coming from? It's coming from us, like mm. you know. That's this is this is what we're. This, this is like this is a, a kind of a, an interest in life that's now beginning to tax you really heavily, like financially. If you want to support this circus, you know, you want Neymar needs to spend eighteen and a half grand on shoes that he could get for free by calling his agent. Uh, you, <laughs> you need to. Uh, well, I imagine Neymar made a net positive, you know, from his interaction with the shoe sore I mean I'm sure he wasn't doing it for free like he doesn't turn up to do these kinds of things just but like I don't know there's just there is something a little bit kind of uh, even did you see the the Roma video for Kolarov Roma have bought Kolarov from Man City Man City have, have got rid of all their fullbacks and bought a whole new set you know uh, bringing to 385 million pounds the total spent by Pep Guardiola since he arrived at Manchester City um, the Kolarov video was another one of these signing unveiling videos but because it kind of happened so fast i mean who had the first idea to do one of these like was it villa like a couple of weeks ago for john terry and now it's already got to the point where roma's signing video for Kolarov is this kind of uh it's a spoof of the genre yes have you seen it yeah i saw it today yeah this like american uh this sort of american you know creative content uh, executive guy who reads out this convoluted script to an unimpressed looking Kolarov. he does his best sort of so Serbian he, bouncer look. Yeah, so this guy, this content creative, starts off by saying, look, you know uh, that there's a lot of a lot of stuff going on there. This is how signings are announced. You've got to do something creative. You got And then he starts giving this script. He, 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 the script goes on for ages. I mean, you can see, obviously, and Kolarov just staring at him, and, and he goes on, and it's this ludicrous thing. There's people there in costumes and so on and so forth, and there's this whole kind of action movie, kind of true lies type scenario that Kolarov eventually is... Uh, he finishes it by saying, "Is that okay?" Kolarov just says, "Nope," and walks away. So you, you're kind of like, "Wow, this this uh, this genre has already deconstructed itself." <laughs> How long did this take? You know, I mean, it's it just uh, happened so fast. Um, but look, that's uh, at least he won't have to uh, have to do one of those videos, apart from the one that he did actually have to do. Let's wrap today's report on sport. I'm a soft pole killer. I repeat what I just said. I am a soft pole killer. Let's keep it real. Oh, Mary Poppins, she was a very, very, very powerful lady. If you know the story about Mary Poppins. If you know the history of Mary Poppins, which was one of my favorite bedtime stories when I was small, she was a powerful lady. She had magical powers with that umbrella. Come April 19th, I'm going to be glad that I was called Mary Poppins. The history of Mary Poppins is nothing to laugh about. Sid Lowe is ready to go. Sid, Jared Piquet shared an image of his teammate Neymar with, uh, well, according to Piquet, it's kind of saying, he stays, says Piquet. Is that definitely the case? Uh, I must admit, I'm in a position where right now I'm not taking anything as definite um, until we have some sort of uh, formal announcement because this has been the kind of case where, where in truth, I've kind of felt like disengaging entirely because there's a story saying, oh, it looks like he's, he's closer to leaving and then an hour later he's closer to staying and then he's closer to leaving and then he's closer to staying. We've even seen percentages thrown around. There was one that said he's 90% going to go and then within a few hours it's at 80% now they think he's going to stay and there was a bit of me, as I say, that we just wanted to completely disengage. This is without doubt I think the clearest statement we've seen. Um, 
and you know PK saying he's staying is is, is is pretty clear and obviously PK would look extraordinarily stupid now if he doesn't um, but I'm not necessarily taking it as a guarantee just yet do you think that they are open to the idea of letting him go? I mean, I guess PK and the guys on the field with Neymar, I guess would rather that Neymar stayed. But do you think the club is more open-minded about the idea of selling him? Because I did notice that some of the coverage, you know, from good journalists was alluding to Neymar's party lifestyle and uh, this sort of stuff that you might expect to be put out in the event that they were softening up opinion in the, in the, um, in the expectation of maybe selling him. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely a process that we've seen before. In particular, we've seen it before at Real Madrid. And I know we've talked about this on, on, on previous occasions that, you know, when a player is kind of close to the exit, that there's this kind of desire. And I think this happens at every club, but I think at clubs like Madrid and Barcelona that, that are so driven by, by fan opinion or so driven by the desire to, to feel like, that you know, politically they need to survive, that, that there's always this attempt to kind of justify sales. Um, I, th- I think that it would be natural for, them, for there to be some temptation. The problem is, I think, with that theory, I would say, is that even if uh, you know you you release a player like Neymar, even if you do think he's problematic, even if, frankly, with everything that's happened legally and and, and so on, you actually quite like the idea of just getting shot of him and getting shot of his dad in particular. And if you quite like the idea of the 220 million euros suddenly turning up and saving the money on his salary, which, by the way, Barcelona probably do need to do, not necessarily on Neymar's salary, but across the board, they need to save money on salaries, then then there would be a temptation. I think the problem with that, though, is that firstly, in the market that you're in, what are you going to get to replace Neymar for 220 million? You're not, to be honest. You're not going to get a player that good. Um, and the other thing is that, that I think the political pressure that, that Bartomeu, the president, is under is such that I think even if it could be dressed up as a positive scenario, a positive solution, he would still be the president who, on whose watch Neymar left. And I, and I think that would, would cause him a lot of damage, which, of course, is one of the reasons why, why one of the messages that Barcelona have been trying to put out is that you know, if this happens, it's his fault, not ours. Yeah. The amount of money involved is crazy. You know, I mean, even in football terms, it's it's like twice the more than twice the previous record. So it is a huge mm. leap. Has it drawn criticism from outside football in Spain? Not really. And I think one of the reasons is that it's slightly different from the previous occasions. And we've seen before, for example, with the Cristiano Ronaldo transfer and, and with numerous other transfers, the kind of, if you like, the moral panic and the, the, the accusations always, of course, conditioned. So in other words, Ronaldo goes to Real Madrid and the, and, the, and the criticisms that this is somehow immoral come from Catalonia and vice versa. It's always the way. Um, but I think this is different to previous ones where the, where the, the discourse has been in a, in, a, in a society that's gone through an economic crisis. How can you justify these kind of fees? And it's different for one very simple reason. It's not a Spanish club paying it. You know, it's coming from outside, and so it's not the same. That sense of the, you know, the people who are kind of stepping out of line here are all Spanish clubs. So that element of it isn't involved. And the other thing I think is that there is a sense more that well, you know, this is Paris Saint Germain, which basically means it's Qatar, and and, and there's there's a kind of a. I wouldn't say an acceptance because I don't think people like it, but there's a kind of recognition that, well, you know, as soon as Qatar get involved, this is then different. This is another step. So within football, there is a lot of talk of this is crazy. There's a lot of talk of this tells us something about where football's going. This tells you something about the, if you like, the kind of the identity of football now. But from outside uh, in the Spanish environment, in truth, it, it hasn't really, I, I don't think, drawn that level of moral commentary that previous transfers have done. Uh, I mean, it's not even though... Is it even a moral... I mean, the moral question is obviously there. Uh, that's been there, I guess, always. And, you know, always, every, yeah, everyone going all the way up to the Pope has, has uh, at times uh, complained about football transfers. But, you know, in the, in the old days, say when the Pope was complaining about Gianluigi Lentini, um, you could still see a lot of football for free. You love that one. You love the Lentini. Well, it, the, I mean, it was the Pope. I can't remember the Pope yeah. complaining about a football transfer. And, and it also occasion. turned out that he wasn't that good, which I think kind of <laughs> adds, to the, yeah. adds to the argument a little uh, bit. Think, things, things went wrong. But, you know, at the moment, we've, we've got a situation where uh, in Spain, you can't see Real Madrid or Barcelona on free TV anymore. It's mm-hmm. only, only on pay TV. The Champions League is being taken off uh, free TV. I think in two years' time, it's all going to be pay TV. So you've got to pay to watch this. It's the same in England. The Champions League, is, is the Champions League now all on BT Sport or, or do ITV still have one game? It's, it's all on BT Sports, but they're obliged, or at least last season, they were obliged to show one of them for, on, on, a, on a free platform. But yeah. it's, all, it's all owned by them, but one of them has to be free, I think, still. So, so really, if you, if you want to watch this game, and obviously the Premier League 
as we know, is pay TV up to the max. If you want to, the amount of cost to watch this is getting increasingly expensive. And and what you then see is clubs paying each other two hundred and twenty million. Now this is Qatar, I suppose, but Barcelona have thrown around insane sums yes, of course. for of players. Course, yeah. I mean, there's a one of the things I'd say that makes them reluctant, as you as you mentioned, to sell Neymar is who who are we actually going to get? I mean, we could sign Coutinho and Verratti. Could we get the two of them for two hundred and twenty million? You know, that's the kind of level things are at and and you don't just kind of scratch your head and step back from this and say why exactly are we all doing this this is gone this is crazy it's costing more than ever before to watch this stuff to keep up with it and the result is just that all the sums involved between the clubs just have have um have gone insane well, one of the things that I think is still quite interesting, Ken, I don't, I don't know how you, you feel about this, but when you look at the Spanish market, I think the English market perhaps is different, but when you look at the Spanish market, there's now, when you say all the prices have gone insane, the weird thing is they haven't all gone insane. There's now this enormous disparity from one end to the other. And within the Spanish market, and this was one of the reasons why, why um, English clubs would often go and buy players from Spain. Firstly, of course, because they're quite good players. And secondly, because actually the price was relatively low, although now English clubs seem to have so much money that it almost doesn't matter. Um, but within the Spanish market, there is still an, a, a lower level where players are going much, much cheaper, where, where the market is sort of resisting that. Um, and, and so you have, for example, Sandra going to Everton, I think it was 6 million euros because of the nature of his buyout clause. Sergio Leon has just gone to Betis, a very good player, 2.5 million euros. I'm not sure how much Rocky went, Rocky, San, uh, Rocky Messer went to Swansea for. I think it was 15, wasn't it? And, you know, that's a lot of money, but it's nowhere compared to compared to this, this sort of other side of, of the market. Um, and, and I guess I suppose... It comes down to to this is what the top end of the market is going to pay, but for how long? And how long is this sustainable? And at what point do, do people back out of this? Now, the Spanish argument in this is actually quite different to the English one. Because you say you talk about this idea that you, you've got to pay for games and the subscription quite high. Well, in Spain, the Spanish president of the league is consistently complaining that one of the disadvantages that Spanish football has is they still have a free-to-air game. Now, that free-to-air game has been strangled. It's been torpedoed. They've done everything they can to compete completely do it over so they've moved it off the off the channels that people are actually watching they took out Madrid and Barcelona from it when that was protected by law and they took out European teams from it they've basically they've put it on a Friday night or a Monday night they put it in the worst possible slot they've done everything they can to say look there is no audience for this and therefore how can this be defended by law as interest general general interest a game that, that, that you know there is a public interest in seeing because they want to put it all on 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 pay tv whereas at the moment it's nine games a weekend the pay tv one game isn't and so their argument from the league which i think what it's worth is completely bogus and, and i think this comes back to your question at the start is is almost the opposite is that we to survive we have to do more we have to be more exclusive we have to charge people more for this they the president of the league here complains that football fans are not paying enough to watch um, the football on tv that there aren't enough subscribers and that he wants to push that and it's all driven through that now I would like to think, I'm, I'm probably wrong here, but I would like to think that the long-term response to this will be people start going to games instead of watching them on TV and they will start to disengage from, from, from the more expensive football and perhaps go to, go to other matches. But I don't honestly know if that's the case. In a way, it's difficult because you say that there's a, there's a moral element to it, there's a, there's a market element to it, which is how long can this be sustained for? There's a, there's a kind of sense of justificating, justifying it even within the market, which is who is it that's actually paying for this? And football fans are, but in Spain... Um, that argument is still slightly different to the Premier League. It's, it's nowhere near as cash-rich as, as English football is. Sid, where does Ronald McDonald fit into this crass commercialisation <laughs> of sport? When the book is eventually <laughs> written on the bursting of the football bubble, written by Sid Lowe, of course, where, where, where is this moment of Ronald McDonald shaking hands with Real Madrid Manchester United players going to fit in? Someone, someone actually did point out to me last night, and, and, and he was quite right. He said, you know, this kind of thing has been going on for a long time, but there is something sort of additionally comic, isn't there, about <laughs> Ronald McDonald there shaking people's hands. I mean, you see it, for example, um, I think it's Arsenal, isn't it? They've done press conferences where you've had stewardesses from, from, an, from the airline that sponsors their stadium. I was going to say, not, the, not so much the shirt, the stadium, standing alongside the manager. It's a bit awkward and a bit odd and a bit kind of uncomfortable and um, the one that always gets me and and and, and it, it annoys me every time i see it even though i've now seen it 60 70 80 times is before every game Real Madrid's players come onto the pitch holding the hands of children as happens in a lot of football games each player is holding the hands of a mascot those mascots go onto the pitch with the team as is always the case line up in front of them as is always the case and they're there as the team players shake each other's hands those mascots go on the pitch not wearing Real Madrid t uh, shirts they go on the pitch wearing t-shirts with the name of a petrol company on the front of them now i'm not saying necessarily that all oh, right look that's the reality they pay for this and that sponsorship and that's how it works 
but at least have the sponsorship they're wearing be the sponsorship on the front of the team shirt, not a, a cheap T-shirt with a name of a petrol company on it. And every time I see it, I think, God, that's so crass. And I suppose McDonald, Ronald McDonald, in a way, is just the red and yellow, more bright, more clownish, more ludicrous version of something that we're seeing perhaps a little bit more gen- generally. But yeah, you're right. Last night did feel like one of those moments where he said, actually, you know what? No one gives a fuck how bad this looks now. Let's just do it anyway. Who cares? Ronald McDonald, yeah. Fuck it, put Ronald McDonald on. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing, yeah, that's that's going on in Spanish football at the moment. The only kind of big story about from Neymar is um, is the old uh, is uh, Angel Maria Villar uh, yeah. Now, this is the, the senior vice president of FIFA, uh, the guy who's been running the Spanish, uh, Spanish FA for how long? Two decades, almost thirty years, twenty nine years, and, and he just won an election, so he was he was on course for thirty two and a bit. Uh, jail arrested and jailed on suspicion of uh, embezzling funds, along with his son and two other executives, which sounds quite serious. Um, what is he uh, alleged to have done, and what has the reaction been to to the, this evidence of corruption, more corruption, right at the very top of the Spanish game? Well, the reaction, in a way, is a is a, a sad one, but but also I think a natural one. The reaction is that no one is remotely surprised. And um, that's the first. That's the first thing to say. Do you, and, sorry. And so, do, do, you, do you mean? Do you mean they're not surprised because it's Villar, or they're not surprised because it's uh, uh, an important man in a suit in Spain who's been both. Caught- both things, yeah, and I'm glad you asked. That's exactly where I was going to go with this. Bear in mind that the context of this is not just Angel Maria Villar. This is not just a guy that, that's clung on to power for 30 years and that everyone assumed was possibly up to no good. Uh, it's not just because this is a guy connected to FIFA with everything that entails and, and, and specifically connected to, to Blatter. It's not just because within the British context, at least, there was an awareness of the way that, that Spain manoeuvred for their World Cup bid. It's also, as you rightly say, because this is Spain. Um, and, and it sounds horribly flippant and I, and, and, and I hate to say it, but the, 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 the extent of corruption in this country is absolutely eye-watering. It, 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 it's quite extraordinary. And, and, and to the extent that I read this, there's a 44-page document prepared by the judge in this. Um, and I read it and I must admit, I don't think the, the absolute, the, the kind of the killer piece of evidence is there. I don't think the smoking gun is there. Um, but but the cumulative effect of the things that, that that are picked up on is is really quite powerful. But it's not entirely surprising. And there's a bit of me that almost thinks it's not quite as bad as I first imagined, given that he gets you know the the, the, the Guadiaf who turns up at the at the Spanish Federation drags him off. Um, but there's a series of things that fundamentally what really comes through from the wiretapping of the phone conversations is the way in which he maintained power. Now it's not quite the same as being you know his presidency being lucrative in economic terms for him, but the way that he maintained power. And in that sense, I suppose there's some parallels with Blatter in that there isn't a clear sense that Blatter himself got rich from this, but he allowed others to kind of get on with doing what they did and to kind of hand out money um, in order to, to keep himself in power. The key thing to this is his son and his son's role in all of this and the businesses and the contracts that his son signed in order to take the Spanish national team on a whole series of friendlies, mostly in Latin America, but also there's, I think there's a couple in Korea. Um, and, and, and frankly, it looks really, really bad. But this is the, uh, I suppose, the lawyer's alarm bells are ringing as I say this. The, the, the worrying thing in a way is that, that you sort of look at this and think, OK, and is he any worse than any of the other people running Spanish football? And, and of course... You have doubts. All right, well, Sid, I'd love to sit here and chat all day, but I really badly want a McChicken sandwich, so we better go. Thanks, Sid. Cheerio. He's just a crying big baby. But you cannot call it a player a baby. What? Which is the game you wanted a victory, boy? Didn't have a wobble. I want victory for every game. Where do you think you got it all wrong today? Which is the game you wanted a victory, boy? Didn't have a wobble. Well, it's just the nervousness. You look frustrated on the pitch. Which is the game you wanted a victory, boy? Didn't have a wobble. You wanted victory. Well, I wanted victory. Which is the game you wanted a victory, boy? Didn't have a wobble. Where do you think you got it all wrong today? against them in the premiership and we never said they are baby. It's just a crying big baby. And you cannot call a player a baby. Well we're talking money again and Spanish football. Mm. Ronaldo I believe has his case come up soon. Oh Ronaldo's due in court next week. Mm. 
And this is over his tax evasion on his uh, image, his alleged tax evasion, I think we need to say, as a result of the fact that he's uh, up in court to answer the charges. I mean, it's, it is actually pretty significant what Ronaldo has done. You know, it's, it seems to be much bigger financially than the Lionel Messi uh, tax case, uh, but is also different because Messi just completely didn't do anything. Like, Messi just sort of ignored the tax situation, whereas Ronaldo is being accused of having, have, having used clever means to get around paying the tax that he was supposed to have paid. Uh, and there was Dermot Corrigan had done some analysis on it uh, and was advised by one of the people who spoke to him there, a Spanish tax expert, that Ronaldo could be paying 50 million to sell this, hmm. 50 million euros. I mean, uh, his, his agency did, um, did put out uh, an, uh, what they claimed was a, was a full statement of his assets, uh, recently, which was it came to 192 million euros. So you know, Ronaldo should be able to pay the settlement. Everybody will be relieved to know. Um, but it just again, it's, it's it's again, it's kind of like what what exactly are we doing all this for? What why are we why are we in this position that that Ronaldo, you know, the current World Player of the Year, uh, an idol to literally billions, is like, you know. So grossly overpaid that he can do a fifty million euro, you, you know, you know what I mean. It's like it's the, the sums are kind of so big now. It's like I don't really. It, it's not a sympathetic spectacle. What I'm saying is when you when you look at this, what's going on all over the place. The very best players in the world. I mean, Messi, you know, suspended jail sentence because he didn't bother paying his taxes. You know, loads of other people in Spanish football. Ronaldo, the other great player. This this the FA, the president of the FA in jail. You know. The president of the league also under, you know, scrutiny for in his Spain, taxes. We're saying, yeah, yeah, and you know, it, it's insane. You know, if you if you were not familiar with it, it's like you know the frog, the boiling frog, whatever. It slowly does with it boils without noticing. This is as dirty and shameless as as any sport has ever been. And you know, you were saying earlier on that you, that that football hasn't been ruined. Well, it appears to be kind of rotten through and through. And things that are rotten eventually collapse. That's pretty much it for today's Second Captain's Football Podcast. I will now put it down on my to-do list once again, Ken, to go and read the Joe Broly. Joe Broly's interview with Barry White. Good stuff. Sunday Business Post. That's pretty much it. Don't forget about our live Premier League night on August 9th in Dublin. Thanks to Cadbury, the new official snack partner for the Premier League from the start of the 2017-2018 season. For a first shout-out in those tickets, become a member of the World Service. And a big thanks to all of you who've already tried to get tickets today. For more info, you can go to secondcaptains.com forward slash live events. Thanks, Ken. Thanks, Owen. Thanks so much for listening. That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys.